The room was virtually packed with 300 people. Such a surprise for Cynthia and me since we had driven to the country club anticipating a, a group, maybe two or three dozen folks that might be interested in a small Bible study. <laughs> Little did I realize I was looking at Disney World <laughs> as I looked in that room. I mean, we walked in the door and the place exploded with applause. And I leaned over and said to Cynthia, do you know who these people are? And she said, I don't. I thought they were friends of yours. I, I don't know any of them. And there we were for our first gathering. It was a cool October evening back in 1998. Little did we realize what God had in mind. I soon realized that he was at work and I better stay out of the way and I better not mess it up because he wanted to do something very unique, something I personally had never been a part of before. Not only had I never started a church from scratch, but I had never seen one grow like ours did. 300 that first night. The week later, it was at 450. They opened the accordion doors and we moved into the ante room to include space for the uh, enlarged gathering. And then the third night we met, it was at 600 people about. And I, I remember the, the, the manager of the, of the club whispering uh, over the group, psst, psst, can I speak to you? And I walked over and uh, he was a little nervous to say what he had to say. He said to me in so many words, that's it. That's it. We're not a cathedral. We're just a country club and a, there's a holiday season coming. We need to make room for that. We need to prepare the room for the tables and all that we would be involved in serving our uh, constituency and their friends, you'll have to find some other place. Well, I knew of no other place. We knew no other place. Uh, thankfully, uh, there was a Christian school down in Dallas, Dallas Christian Academy, that opened their assembly area to us for a couple of of uh, times, and by the end of that second meeting, we were at a thousand or more, and they were closing because holiday was coming, and we absolutely did not know what to do. Someone mentioned Quad C, Collin County Community College would be a place that at least would have a gymnasium where we could meet and. I thought, well, I preached a lot of places, but never in a gym. Why not? So we talked to them, and they met and talked about it and said, well, perhaps for a few months. So we said, oh, yeah, that's fine. That's, that'll be fine. So we moved in. We bought all the white plastic chairs that uh, Walmart carried, and we asked them to order another 1,000 if they didn't mind, and they didn't mind. So... <laughs> 
We liked the chairs because you could stack them and you could haul them out to the container and put them there for the week and then bring them back in. We covered the floor with big sheets of butcher paper and I was the only church, I think, we had the only one that when I finished my message, I would say, okay, everyone, before you leave, following the benediction, please stack your chairs. So they would stack their chairs, one on top of each other, and we got used to that. That became a regular part of our fun time together. And on and on we grew. We added a choir of volunteer people, and, and the, the sound was wonderful in that. In, in the gym, it was marvelous. Everything sounded great except when it started raining. Uh, the gym has no, no insulation, and so the rain would start to fall, sometime the hail, and uh, I would get louder and louder, and finally God got a lot louder than I ever thought of being, and I would say, okay, all right, it's yours. I'd pause. And, and he'd stop the rain. I'd say, okay, thanks. And I'd go ahead. And he'd bring the rain again. And we'd, we'd go back and forth. Times like that. Well, six months passed. And we weren't anywhere near uh, building a building. We were looking for land. And pretty close to finding some. In fact, we did locate a piece of land that didn't have any roads leading to it. The land on which we're currently sitting. Some of our men found a little over 60 acres of this land, and they were all excited about it, and, and they, they asked me to come with them. They wanted to show it to me, and in the meantime, we were dealing with, with uh, the community college, asking if they could open us to another six months, and <laughs> okay. They, they said that'll be fine, but that'll be it. That'll be, of course, of course. And so we, we came, and I, I looked at the land, and I thought, this is it? You know, a bunch of wildflowers. We used to hunt dove out here when I was in seminary. And I, I thought, this is where people hunt. Well, no longer. This is now city limits inside Frisco. And uh, someday they'll have a road that connects us to the, you know, the real world. Right then, back then, there was just one two-lane paved blacktop road called Lebanon over here with a ditch on each side and snaked through the area. There was no park wood. There was no road on the other side, nothing. Just Preston Road ended at 121 and changed to just digital numbers when you get out in this area. So I didn't know how to tell people to get here. I just said, go to Hooters and take a left. <laughs> It's funny, nobody lost their way. They all knew where Hooters was, so. Although this is my kind of people. We got together. Cynthia finally said to me after we moved into the building, would you please stop saying, go to Hooters and take a lift? They might go to Hooters and stay. I said, well, that means they need us more than ever. But we worked all that out without breaking up, didn't we? Anyway, we've went through a little growing pains and began to build a building. High on our priority list were the special needs, children as well as teens and adults. Other churches were turning them away, many of them. We made them our flagship ministry. My daughter, Colleen, 
helped us get that started along with a few others. And before long, that was a thriving, flourishing part of our ministry, adding youth and young adults. And before long, senior adults had their own place and we were on our way in a, what we called our multi-purpose building, still standing and still we're using it regularly. All the while, we're growing. It wasn't long before we had moved into the multi-purpose building that we were at three, three services. I thought, Lord, uh, could you give me a break? I'm, I'm almost 65 years old and I have a prof at the seminary used to say to me, you know, that's when ministers retire, Chuck. You're really getting going. I said, oh, we're not going to retire. Uh, I'll stay at this a couple of more years. And <laughs> we were underway. We were having the time of our life. I remember saying to Cynthia and other members of our family, uh, this is fantastic, isn't it? I thought about the early apostles. Their situation was far more complicated than ours. They didn't have 300 to start with. They had 3,000. Check it for yourself. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. 3,000 people believed Peter's message of salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And they did. They came from all walks of life, all races, all different countries came together. The Spirit of God burned the truth into their hearts, and, and now they were for the first time. The first time there was a local church, 3,000 strong. How did the apostles deal with that? What did they do? By the way, I turned to that same passage of scripture for our very first message when we were beginning as a church. This is the only sermon I preached twice. So I decided, well, doing one twice, not too many will remember, but most don't remember last week's sermon. So if <laughs> 25 years ago, I doubt that anybody's lips will be moving. So I go back to Acts 2.42. They continually devoted themselves to four priorities. Check it for yourself. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. How marvelous that must have been. The apostles took the truth of God and began to minister to these 3,000 baby Christians, brand new believers. They didn't know what they didn't know. They just knew Christ. And now they're beginning a walk with him in a world that was hostile to them. The apostles taught them the great doctrines of God. Deepened their faith in the truths of what God had taught them. Stop and think of what they didn't have. They didn't have a Bible to carry. There wasn't a completed body of truth called today the Bible. Just a few of the books of the Old Testament and the New Testament still in the process of being written. 
from year to year during that time. So they came relying on the Spirit of God to speak through the throats of the apostles who taught them the truth. I determined from that that ours would be a learning church like the first century church. We committed ourselves to exposition, going through books of the Bible, going through doctrines of the scriptures, going through topics that are taught in the scriptures. We've even gone through the prophets. We've gone through biographies in the Bible. We've taken you from Genesis all the way through Revelation. We've examined the truth. Thank goodness we have a completed book of 66 books, which are ours to study and to learn from. But a church that's all instruction, all learning, isn't a church, it's a school. There also needs to be priority number two, fellowship. They continually devoted themselves, the Greek says, to koinonia, from the Greek term koinos, meaning common. They shared in the same things in common, and they shared in common with one another the things they had. For there were people with many needs and many expectations. People had no homes in which to stay. Often folks came into the church that had no food. Opposition was everywhere to be found. There was martyrdom. There was hatred toward the Christians. And here was a large body of Christians. By chapter 4, verse 4, we read they were up to 5,000. They needed to love one another. It was a loving church. Anne Ortland used to use a beautiful analogy as she described the church that's really a loving church. A church can either be a bag of marbles or a bag of grapes. When you look in the bag, they, they look similar, about the same shape, size. But when you shake a bag of marbles, it clatters and bangs around, but not one marble yields anything to another. Each one is independent. But when you got a bag of grapes, you shake them around enough, the bag begins to drip and the, the juices begin to flow and the fragrance comes out of the bag. Delectable taste. So it is in a loving church. We were gathering and people came with expectations some came among us who were done with church, or so they thought. They'd been in toxic places. They'd been in legalistic churches. Some were exhausted, working, working, working in churches, but not really being nurtured. So they came with one set of needs. Others came that had already dropped out. Then there were those 
who had been led astray through false teaching. So they were hungry for clear teaching from the scriptures, but mainly for relating to others who had needs with whom they could identify. There were broken people, people going through divorce, going through loss. Here we were in this little building, three services, getting to know each other in the different services, and we felt shortly after we had built it, we need to have a building where we can all gather. So we got our heads together and talked about a building where we could all gather for worship. Because the early church, third priority, is a worshiping church. When you read the story in Acts 2.42, you read that not only had they been baptized, verse 41, but they observed the Lord's table. They took their meals together, so they ate in homes. And then after the home meal, they would set aside some of the, some of the food and they would take from the bread and the wine from the table and they would observe the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus. What quaint, unique symbols are baptism in the Lord's table, altogether Christian, a worshiping church, blending lives together, focusing on the cross of Christ, reminding everyone that the message is believing on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and saved forever, walking in the spirit and you will have victory. You can overcome a nature that has controlled you all through your life. Then you find they were committed to prayer. Opposition arose and they prayed themselves through it. Peter was incarcerated and they prayed him out of prison. Stephen was stoned and they prayed through the martyrdom of their beloved deacon Stephen. And then they had those that were set apart for the early missionary trip as Barnabas and Saul, the early name for Paul, were set apart and they prayed that God would guide them on that first missionary journey. I'm going to get into a series starting next week on the times when God showed himself strong during the years of the early church, where he came and met needs, where he protected them in days of hostility and martyrdom, where God proved himself able to do what no man or woman could do. And that led to ultimately to an evangelistic outreach. So it has been for us. We now have missionaries around the world. Right now, there's a group of them, almost a dozen, that have gone to, to Ireland where they're ministering in a local church to bring encouragement and hope. And, and, and they're there as a 
part of a missionary group, if you will, in this short term together. So we continue to grow, continue to reach out into our community, into our state, into our country, beyond the seas, overseas, into places in great need. Stonebriar Community Church, named Community Church on purpose, not connected to one denomination, but available to all in a community that we might come and share in common two great things. His matchless grace, which has been a theme since we began in October of 1998. His grace, which is amazing. His grace, which is abundant. Not only his grace, but his blessings that continue to fall upon us. I failed to mention one very important part of our history, and that's the volunteer spirit among us. We needed musicians to begin an orchestra. <laughs> well, there they are. Not all are volunteers, some we have from other places, but many of them volunteering their services and their talents and gifts. Volunteering for soul care, ministering to people in need. After the service, when those come to know Christ, need someone to talk with, help them grow and find hope. How wonderful it is to see the growth of volunteers among us. When we reach out to the starving children or the needs of others outside our community, there's a willingness to give, a desire to reach out to an, another language. Our Spanish-speaking ministry is such a vital part of our church since our inception. And a group of you are with us today, and we, we welcome you in our, in our time together. And, and, and I loved it when we had our prayer together, and it was bilingual. Uh, it's a good reminder of both serving and worshiping together. God's grace and God's blessings. If you're like our family, when you, when you leave and you sit down at your lunch table after church, you're often overwhelmed by the music you heard or perhaps something in the message that really spoke or someone who reached out to you and brought a word of encouragement. All of this is the outcropping of that promise, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. And along with his peace, all the other blessings that come from his hand. Haven't these 25 years been blessed years, marvelous years?
I will tell you, the best years of my life. I'm not, and I'm not through. This is not a farewell message. This is, <laughs> this is, a, this is a continuation message where we, we go on and on. Yeah. And I thank God for you, and I can't thank him enough. You have no idea what you mean to me and to our family. I've never seen such harmony, such willingness, such excellence. And did I mention <laughs> we're out of debt? So all that we receive <laughs> is able to go right into ministry because of you, your generosity. Oh, I can go on and on, as you know. <laughs> but it's our orchestra and choir moment to remind us of God's blessing. So stay put and listen and remember the teaching, the fellowship, the worship, evangelism, the prayers, the grace, the blessings. Oh Lord, you are too good. We, we run out of words before we run out of time. We thank you, Father, for looking upon us with such favor. 25 years laden with happiness and tears. Thank you for holding us close to yourself, for teaching us the value of loving one another, forgiving one another, being gracious to one another and caring for one another. Your blessings will never cease because your grace will never end. And we're all grateful. In the name of Christ, the giver of all good and perfect gifts, we pray. Everyone said,